0: Welcome to episode 135 of the Endless Stream, I am Aidan, and this week I am joined by Dublin comedian Madeline Munford. We discuss her comedy history, her path through improv and comedy, and her choice of film this week, which was Some Like It Hot, the Billy Wilder classic starring Jack Lemmon, Tony Curtis, Marilyn Monroe, and directed by Billy Wilder. I might have said that a moment ago. It should be said throughout this episode, I start talking a hell of a lot of shit about film history that I don't really know, so... Take everything I say with a grain of salt. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast, heading over to Spotify, heading over to iTunes, rating, reviewing, liking, subscribing, all of those good things really help us out. On top of that, you can head over to Instagram at The Endless Cast, where we put up art and clips to go with each episode, and that's a great place to shoot us a message. Tell us what you think of the movie, disagree with us, suggest something for us to watch in the future. That's a great place to reach out. Or you can send us an email at theendlesscast at gmail.com. All of that being said, let's jump into the episode. All right, I'll I'll record also. Um, You join us in uh, um, (laughs) mid-conversation about me complaining about the animation industry. (laughs) Um, I will give you a proper intro in the intro. We record that separately. Oh, okay. Um, I am here with Madeline Munford complaining about uh, (laughs) my first job. uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, I actually, um, when I lived in Paris, I met this woman who was working for um pixar and she was an animation person and she was actually the voice of in monsters inc like the um announcer over the um like in the factory you know like oh that's awesome yeah i forgot the names of the monsters now so i can't really do the voice but like you know when it's like i don't know someone named stewart or it's just like stewart come to the blah blah and then or like emergency factory blah 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 like that was her because sometimes they would just use their animators she was like one of the top animators there so
0: yeah yeah well they just like so much of it is done on storyboards like even in anything else animation wise you're doing rough storyboards and you use whoever's around and if it works it works and if we need to cast somebody that we have to pay a fortune then they cast (laughs) someone they have to pay a fortune but if they can get away with whoever for a while yeah, cast me <laughs>
1: is the moral hmm? of the story. Cast me That's it. for any yeah. projects. Um,
0: like the greatest animator <laughs> success story of all time has to be um, Seth MacFarlane.
1: Really? Is he even an animator? I thought he was just like actor, writer.
0: He was a, as far as I know, he was an animator. And I don't know what scheme, what pitch, what <laughs> thing happened that allowed him to put forward Family Guy as a concept. Yeah. But, um, you know, he pitched it and they bought it. And you can go back and look at, like, I don't know if it was, like, TMZ or Letterman or something back Mm -hmm. in, like, the early 2000s. And they're like, so you just sold a cartoon for a million dollars, huh? And it's like, yeah, it's kind of a dream come true. And then hosting the Oscars? Like, it's a weird journey.
1: Yeah, that must have been crazy because he didn't exactly sell it off. Like, he sold the idea but then got rights to be in charge of it and be in it. Yeah. So, that's kind of unheard of for someone who's nobody at the beginning, I'd say.
0: Yeah. I've never checked his Nepo baby status. Is he somebody's grandson?
1: I don't know, but my mom's last name is McFarland, so I feel like he's related to me, but it's with a D, right. not an E. Like, so, yeah, I was this okay. close. I'm also that yeah. closely related to Mumford and Sons, where it's like one letter is off, you know? Yeah. Like, one letter from fame. make a case fame. for,
0: like knocking up on their door and saying you got any spare? got any spare money lying around got any?
1: yeah my your nepo baby i'll be your nepo adopted child there should be nepo adopted children
0: yeah would yeah. be great well actually i mean there probably are but kind of madonna and angelina jolie kind of, <laughs> yeah you know, yeah but i meant s- just pit. like
1: oh we're kind of we look alike and i want to be part of this so adopt me yeah but yeah anyway i'm pretty sure we
0: connect our gene pool somewhere on the line. <laughs> yeah.
1: probably everyone can it's kind of a weird concept so, <laughs> <Anyway>. uh, th- <laughs>
0: thank you for joining us today on the endless stream um we're starting to do our like i guess seasonal mm-hmm. uh, episodes we're trying to record like things that we would watch at christmas and stuff and uh ordinarily we dig into like i don't know nerd news and film news and and trailers and TV shows and anything else going on while we're sort of warming up towards the main topic but today our guest is a, a stand-up comedian who uh, I know very little about so I'm going to just ask you a whole bunch of questions and see where the conversation comes off of that oh okay and then uh, we can jump into the movie end of things are you comfortable with that or is that a bit of a uh,
1: no I'm comfortable with that I'm also okay. I'm a, a little curious a local though. celebrity I'm a little curious, though, because you're like, oh, we we look at trailers and stuff. So I'm like, ooh.
0: well, it, it's more like, OK, like that, that's as good a question as any. Like, are you a big film, TV, media person? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? (laughs) Like, are you chasing trailers around the internet, or are you just, like, just always watching things, like?
1: Um, I'm not sure that I'm chasing trailers. I wish that I was more of, like, knowing what's in cinema currently all the time. Like, I actually, I recently, and I'm, so I'm 26, I've solo traveled before, I've eaten at restaurants alone before, but somehow I got to 26 years old without taking myself to the cinema alone, and then the other week i like went to the cinema by myself and i watched Saltburn, and it was just a magnificent experience plus it was a great movie um which i know you haven't seen yet but it was just so good and like i think there's something about growing up in the states as well like when like we're just obsessed with hollywood and actors like for me at least like movie stars were like gods to me so it's like you know you'd worship that instead of like religion or something and so pop culture is like a big thing and like um I think I had a really good film education growing up because my parents really like films so yeah and I want to be an actor so yeah I think films are kind of my life actually like films and tv that's amazing that's great
0: yeah like is there a is there a film growing up that like like, I know we're going to talk about some Like It Hot, but is there anything else on the list that's like, I watch this all the time, or I couldn't take my eyes off? Like, who's the celebrity god in the in the movie that, like, it was always... I loved... Whenever this person was in a movie, I loved it. Or? Um,
1: I mean, I think... So, I don't have, like, a favourite movie. It's, like for each mood and each time period there's a favorite movie yeah. if that makes sense and i'll re-watch those 100%. movies and so it's like some like it hot which we're going to discuss today and then it's a wonderful life um which is like what i would watch every christmas eve with my family and um like love actually actually a lot of christmas movies um 500 days of summer which i feel like was the first romance Kind of film that I watched as a kid, and I was like, Oh, this is real, this is based off real life, this is what it's gonna actually be like. Um, which kind of messed me up, not gonna lie. I think uh, I kind of <laughs> has,
0: it, has it been like that,
1: yeah? <laughs> I'd say it has, I'd say it has every time. Like, I think I find a lot of truth in fiction, and so growing up watching a lot of films, I might have taken a lot of things a little bit literally. Um, you know, instead of like studying textbooks and whatever, like I was sort of mm-hmm. making sense of the world through art, through film. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Not to sound pretentious, but yeah,
0: this is I'm happy enough to do that here. <laughs> um, like now, but we've had like you know we've had illustrators and artists and you know actors and stuff on. And it's like yeah, whatever, like. You can be pretentious on the Endless Stream. There's (laughs) there's, uh, a wide range of content covered. Um, Love Actually, I saw a stupid amount of times in the cinema when it came out. Really? Uh, Yeah, I'm quite a soppy uh, dork. Uh, (laughs) That and... I want to. I want to make the excuse that it's like I would buy the cheap ticket mm. to this film and then go and see something that was after when the ticket price went up. Oh, but I would go like I would buy like a three euro ticket to Sweet Home Alabama. Uh huh. Watch that movie and then when it was over, I would walk into something that was on at like seven o'clock with a yeah. more expensive ticket. Yeah. Which means I saw Sweet Home Alabama like four or five times. Oh my god! Um,
1: that's the one with Reese Witherspoon, right? It's,
0: it's,
1: I'm actually. Movie. I'm not sure that I love that movie. I'm
0: not sure that it is good. I was (laughs) having a mental breakdown in secondary school, I think.
1: Oh, but I mean, that's such an American thing to do as well, is like, um, you know, buying a ticket and then just going to as many movies as you can for free afterwards. Um, Just because famously, like, the people in US cinemas when I was growing up just weren't paying attention. Um, But yeah. Yeah,
0: they're usually really young and disinterested. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're just getting paid doing simple cinema job,
1: right? Yeah. Am yeah.
0: I being reductive?
1: No, no, no. I think that's right. And, like, not to bring it to a dark level, but I think the reason I'm not too into, like, what's in cinema at the moment, like, I'm so glad we have streaming and stuff, is because um, mm. in the States, like, cinemas started having, like, shootouts when I was in, like, high school. So I kind of yeah, stopped going because... Yeah, but like a big part of my childhood, though, was going to the cinema. Um,
0: So how long have you been, like you said, solo travel? How long have you been, when did you leave the States, I guess is the question.
1: Um, When I was 20, I went to live in Paris for like six months. And then I went back to Austin, Texas to finish my degree. And then I didn't really know what I wanted to do after. Like I studied advertising and French. So, um, I was like, I'll just go be a French person. And I moved back to Paris and I stayed there for like a good three years. And then COVID kind of happened in that last year. And I was applying for jobs and other opportunities. And like Mm -hmm. the role that came back to me was a job in Dublin. Um, and so I've been here for like two and a half years. Okay. Um, so yeah, I probably left the States, um, like for real in like 2019 or something okay. that might it not be, be right minute, 20 though. i don't know
0: 2018. <laughs> 2018. um were you doing comedy in college like in the states at all or is that a late
1: no it's like i step. started doing that in dublin about a year and a half ago um and i started doing it because i started taking acting classes again like the real dream has always been acting but i always kind of come back to it because i don't know you know i think with the thing you really want you're always like i don't know if i'm actually good enough for this i'm too scared to really go for it so then you kind of yeah. do a lot of random things that you fall in love with because there's no pressure on it so it's like stand up and improv it's kind of like that for me like i did improv in paris i did improv in like austin um mm. and then improv led me back into the confidence to do acting and then i did i did stand up on a whim because Saturday Night Live is like my favorite thing ever. And all of them started as stand ups. So, or most of them.
0: Where was your first stand up like performance
1: performance was Workman's and it was through like a showcase that we had for like a stand up class that I did. Um, okay. And that was like a little friends and family kind of thing um, for like the people in the class because I took it at the Gaiety School. And then actual first gig was Hey Penny,
0: <laughs> Hey Penny. Yeah. Okay. And like that's a fun gig. So it was was it the? It's not the box anymore, is it? Is it the box? Um, it I- was called the Lucky Duck or something before that.
1: Oh, um, maybe.
0: So, so it's like they've they're, yeah. You would it would have been the same time as I was starting doing the Hey Penny as well, where, you know, the sort of open micers are the last thing of the evening yeah do a little competition
1: yeah i think joe dolan was my mc that night i believe um and i'm not sure that it was box comedy when i was doing it just because they they knew that i was new um so i think i was just sort of put on to be given a chance and then they signed me up for the box comedy which i then i did like i think i performed twice in that okay so yeah
0: yeah and you've been enjoying it ever since then, because like you've again. I mean, I know this, but for the for the listener, um, <laughs> like you did the full run in Edinburgh, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did four yeah. weeks of Edinburgh Fringe. Um, I did a split show with comedian Robbie Wilde, and also did spots. Um, so, like the like Eddie Malarkey and Brian Gallagher have a show there as well, like um, a compilation show, and. I actually can't remember what it's called. The Irish, like Irish comedy or something, and they had me on a few. T- or yeah, they had me on a few times. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, I don't know. It was so really cool. So, what's
0: your then? Um, like, what? What was like? I guess Edinburgh. Like, did you have a worst? I mean, I guess overall in a year and a half, what's the worst experience? Just to go negative, was there a, worst, <laughs> a bad show?
1: Um, like as in like worst experience on stage, basically. Yeah. Um.
0: I'm going to ask you about the positive one as well, though.
1: Okay. I think... uh, Because, to be honest, I haven't really, like, had an experience where... Because basically, um, before every time I go on stage, I I get stage fright pretty bad, Mm. and I also just have anxiety in general. So um, I was at a gig once, and this is positive, but like this is why I probably do bomb, but I never really notice that I'm bombing. And this is why, Mm -hmm. is because I was at a gig once... And in the audience, it was it was at Slats Laughs. So this is actually my best experience. I'm going to answer first because it explains cool. why yeah. I don't really have a lot of negative. Um, but so basically, uh, I was at Slats Laughs, which is Brian Gallagher's show um, every Sunday. Okay. And um, it was my first time doing Brian's show. I had just met him and Eddie Malarkey um, in Edinburgh. That was like, that wasn't this August. That was last August. And um I was just there kind of to see what the fringe was like. And um, so yeah. Brian booked me. And right before I went on stage, it was like in the audience, it was Eddie Malarkey, Demo Clark, um, David McSavage and Brian Gallagher all watching me. And I don't know if you know how much pressure that kind of is um just because yeah, I, I do. yeah like I don't know I just really didn't want to do badly in front of them and I was yeah. I was getting so panicky right before going on that I was like looking at chairs and being like that's a chair that's a table that's a bar you know like trying to recenter just myself to ground yourself. yeah so yeah. I was having like a panic attack and my friend Hannah was there to like just watch my show and I told her I was like I'm really really nervous right now and she goes why do you start doing comedy? Like, why did you start doing this? And um, that was, like, the best advice ever because I was watching Brian MC right before he was gonna announce me on, and he was just having so much fun. Like, like, he's a, he's a seasoned pro, you know, so he's not there trying to impress anyone. He's not thinking, Mm -hmm. oh, the comedians think that's really funny or, oh, that wasn't very good he's legitimately laughing and having fun with the audience and i hannah told this to me and i was like yeah why did i start comedy i didn't start comedy to impress four strangers who i have the utmost respect for and i work with Mm. them and i love them and they're great but like i didn't start comedy to impress anyone and at the time they were strangers and i did it to genuinely enjoy myself so I went that's up great. there and I fucking enjoyed the hell out of myself. I was supposed to do five minutes, I think five to seven minutes. And Brian didn't know me. So he was like, no pressure. If you want to get off at five, you can leave the stage. It's all good. And he let me go until like eight and a half minutes because me and the audience were having such a great time. And like oh, Mick great. Savage went on and said how good it was. And so now when I go on stage, if, if people aren't really getting me, I'll kind of find a way to enjoy myself anyway um so like worst experience might have been at hey penny where there was a table of like middle-aged men and i had a joke that was like i don't know the the mc had been making a joke that they were a table of like undercover guards the whole night and then i had like a joke about the guards and i was like this is dedicated to you and they just were giving me the hairy eyeball all night um yeah But I didn't even bomb, it's like my friends were there, they were laughing, and I should have just focused on them, but I was kind of focused on this table, and then afterwards the people that mattered were like, that was great, but I was like, I was just looking at these people frowning at me the whole time, but you just have to focus on, like, enjoying yourself,
0: you know? That is a great piece of advice, (laughs) that's great, it is, it genuinely is, like, I, I, like, I think that, like, in the sort of two years I've been doing stand-up, stand-up, like, Mm I, I the worst show and i i didn't even feel that bad about it i was just like what the fuck is with this room mm-hmm. was i did like an open mic at second city there Ooh, a few months back
1: that's cool because
0: they're generally an improv place but they were running an open mic in this bar in the building mm-hmm. and it was just i was just doing my thing and i've done it in plenty of places and got plenty of reasonable responses i don't by any means go hey everyone was laughing their whole often like i'm by no means think I'm amazing, mm-hmm. but I was just doing my thing, and it's like, y'all are not happy to be here. You were how many of you are students? Mm. You're all just going through notebooks. The MC keeps talking about the like the the strike that the teachers are having with the corporate owners of Second City, and that's like bringing oh, everyone to no. acts. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Um, it, like I still see that person's like tweets occasionally the the MC of that night and it's just like a hundred and eighty days without any sort of mediation between it's like yeah that's that's the energy you brought to an open mic that night um, yeah so.
1: yeah there's a lot of that kind of energy sometimes um, yeah. I don't know with open mics like like the open mics where the audience is mostly comedians you yeah. know I feel like it's really easy for it to get into that energy of like people who really love to hear themselves talk. Yeah. you know and then they don't really care if no one's really on their love or like you know on their vibe yeah yeah
0: <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah do you um so like i asked some i asked for some like questions for a comedian and i know someone else who's doing comedy and she was like all right um <laughs> how personal and real do you get in your comedy
1: um completely personal and true it's actually kind of scary because all my jokes are based on truth um okay so it's almost like a little bit of a diary entry but the thing is is like if i tell a joke that i wrote a year ago i'm not necessarily feeling that way now but it was true at the time um but that's kind of the only way i know how to be and they're all kind of centered around me as the character and i kind of want to venture away from that in a way just because i have um what's the word i always lose this word Where like like um imposter syndrome or something where it's like my kind of comedy isn't valid like i'd rather do observational comedy where it's like hey did you see that over there you know and it has nothing to do with the comedian i'm always like that's a real comedian but then i've also gotten this far um in my journey with comedy doing it based on me being the character anyway so it's probably fine yeah you know?
0: Well, that's like, like, what is, like, who are your comedy icons then? Like, if you, if you look at somebody and think, God, I wish I was like this person, is it, um, is it like a, like, are they joke, joke guys or are they, you know, personal, like, story guys or folks, you know? I
1: think they are actually quite personal. Like, um, I might get canceled for this, but I do love, um, Dave Chappelle's comedy throughout his career and, uh, like,
0: you're not getting counsel on this podcast.
1: <laughs> the comedy, <laughs> not the the no. values or whatever. And um,
0: yeah, everybody's got a, a huge. He's got a huge body of work. Whether or not he said some, whether or not he's wandered into shitty territory in the last few years, there's a reason he got as big an audience as he did. You know? Yeah, like
1: yeah. yeah, and I like David Spade. Pretty much anyone who's been on Saturday Night Live. Um, right. Yeah, and like Judd Apatow, which he's a mm-hmm. storyteller. Whitney Cummings, storyteller. Nikki Glaser, Eliza, forgetting her last name.
0: Slesinger. Oh my God,
1: Taylor Tomlinson, storyteller.
0: I can't get enough of Taylor. I Tomlinson. love
1: her. Also, I took
0: her last special. Uh huh. Like this is the most. I guess. I guess I'm bringing animation mindset to it, but I timed the laughs. Did you? I was like, I, I went through it and I just went one, two, three, four, five, laugh. Six, seven, eight. And it was like, you get like, it it really is just like little laugh, little laugh, little laugh, big laugh. Yeah. Little laugh, little laugh, little laugh, big laugh. It's, it's amazing. It's like, um, technically great. Like she knows where her big punchline is and she's written everything to lead up to it to make sure that you've got little lily pads of laughter along the way to the big punch. It's great.
1: Yeah. No, she's amazing. She's amazing. And like Chris Rock, um, Mm. I don't know. I feel like all of them are actually like and I I do love Pete Davidson as well. And I could probably just keep naming people, but I think one hundred percent of the people I've just named are all pretty I'm much story personal people. story people. Yeah. You know?
0: Like I try to listen to um like I like Jimmy Carr, but like an hour of sort of two line jokes at a certain point oh, can yeah. get tiring.
1: Yeah, I like Mark the Normand as
0: well. I just watched his thing and I like I'd never watched much of him, but it's just like they're cool. They're like Rodney Dangerfield jokes, you know, like, yeah, you know, my wife is leaving me. I said, is there somebody else? He said, there must be, you know, like they're great lines, but it's like it's an hour. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I,
1: that's so true. It,
0: it's not necessarily for me. Yeah, I'm um, trying to think. As so well. if your stuff is all personal stuff, like how do you feel about like family and friends and partners? seeing it or do you talk about those people or is it mostly you the character
1: oh my god i actually in edinburgh so my parents haven't seen my stand-up and i won't send them videos um because i'm like no it's inappropriate i've like told them like snippets of jokes that are kind of filtered because my mm. comedy for the last year and a half has been kind of focused on almost like clever sex jokes and like dating jokes and um but it's not, it's like punching up as in I make myself the problem in every scenario. Right. So I'm not like talking trash about anyone. So I wouldn't mind if like I'm single. So like a potential partner or whatever. If like someone sees it, I don't feel like they're going to be uncomfortable or judge it or whatever. Um. But in Edinburgh, I stayed with second cousins. So I stayed with family um, and they came they were like you can stay with us but we have to be able to come to your show and so it's my like my grandma's brother's children (laughs) so like second cousins um who you know I think with your second cousins type relationship with that kind of family it's like they didn't necessarily know you when you were growing up like they didn't raise you or whatever so they have an idea of you possibly and you want to upkeep that idea maybe and then maybe this is just my family like very kind of image based um like not in a bad way but just that's just kind of how it is and so they they came to my show and I don't I guess I didn't believe that they would and so when they did right before Were you up
0: first or was Robbie
1: Ah. Uh,
0: Did you alternate that? I actually
1: can't remember. I think we alternated um, at that point. So it was like, we at first did 25 minutes each. And then Mm. we were told by Richie Sheehy, um, who's another great comedian, told us for a split show, it's actually better if you do like 10 and 10 and 15 and 15 to kind of like just between the two of you.
0: Break yourselves up a bit. Yeah,
1: break it up a bit. So like 10 minutes of um, crowd work, 10 minutes of, you know, material, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, so I forgot how we did it, but I basically went up there and 10 minutes before the show, I was like, look, this is going to be inappropriate, but it's not like super personal to me right now, you know, like I'm going to be talking about some stuff that's going to make me sound like a horrible person, but I swear (laughs) to you, it's not necessarily like, it's just, it's just my dark humor you know it's right. my self-deprecating dark humor it's not necessarily like i'm not a cruel person um and maybe yeah. i'm being too hard on myself it's just i think i don't know i don't know i think dating is a little bit difficult of our generation so it, I, it could always come off badly or triggering for people but i don't yeah. know triggering is a harsh word but so they were like yeah. They were like, no, like, it's fine. We, we It's art. We've signed up for this. And they were sitting there. Their eyes were super wide. And I had a joke uh, right before getting into really inappropriate things <laughs> where I was like, okay, like, everyone acknowledge my family over there. They're VIP. Let's clap for them. Um, like, they came to the show. They're awesome. And then I was like, just like, I'm, I just, I'm doing these jokes. I hope that you become really, really, really proud of the fact that you didn't raise me
0: (laughs) oh that's good yeah
1: it's good yeah so i kind of i like separated myself from them feeling responsible for like you know because i think my family people in my family can be kind of scandalized but they were actually great they were great they weren't (laughs) judgmental about it um i think my my aunt said something like oh i was thinking of blah blah who was probably turning around in their grave but you know like watch it like i was like oh like great auntie blah blah is watching and i was like i don't even know who great auntie blah blah is it's fine like
0: i don't think anyone could say anything that scandalizes me like i just like i will watch any comedy going and like love it if it's funny if it's well written it's whatever when it comes to talking about stuff, I'm pretty uptight, and it's like, mm-hmm. hey, let's talk about movies. Uh, mm-hmm. like, I I haven't got everybody's consent that was involved in this story to to tell it on. Uh, you know, I just get really uptight and protective, so like all my stuff is like goofy shit and wordplay rather than being particularly personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's me. I'm still, I don't know, working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I need to.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you need to. It's like whatever mm-hmm. you are comfortable with, and if you because like comedy is an art so however you want to express yourself and feel empowered in doing so if you feel uncomfortable then what's the point you know Mm.
0: Um, Do do you ever feel I guess where's your line in like pumping up a story like do you just tell it exactly as it happened or like I heard a comedian say that like when I tell a story I want you to feel how I felt in that moment not necessarily have the accurate facts I'm trying to get you to that feeling So I'll say whatever I need to to get you there.
1: That's interesting, though, Mm -hmm. because, like, if I'm telling you a story, it's not necessarily factual. It's always going to be how I felt in that moment, because that's the only way I can tell you about it. So that's kind of, Mm -hmm. like, inception-y to me. That that, Like, I love that. I love that that person said that. That's really cool. Um Mm -hmm i'd say so i so mean you're, you're
0: not hung up on the facts as long as you get the feeling across
1: oh yeah there are no there's no facts in my comedy at all you know um yeah. i don't know and also a lot Wait, of my... there wasn't
0: really a, a brawl on the street by the canal and you didn't call the guards
1: so there was a brawl on the street and i called the guards and um but she didn't say who's winning i okay. think yeah. um Even though I do feel like it was based on truth, though, because she was a bit, like, I I was literally a week into living in Dublin. And I literally, I was like, how do you you call the cops? Like, what's the number? And I looked up how to call the cops in in Ireland because I was like, it can't be 999. That's British, you know. We're not in England. So I looked it up and it was like, you know, plus 353, something, something like an eight-digit number. And I phoned it through Safari. And then called her and it was like emergency services, all this, tons of options. And I couldn't understand her Irish accent because I was so new. So I was like, cops? Like, what the hell? And she was like, Garda, it's the Garda. So this was just like a phone call that was so not correctly placed that by the end of the, by the time I reached a police officer, a guard, um, the brawl was over. So, I literally right. was like, "Oh, um, they've stopped fighting, and she was like, "Okay, well, I mean, you know, call us back if it happens again, like you were right to call, so they didn't make me feel mm. stupid, but I felt so stupid that it it was like, well, you know, it's the equivalent of someone being like, who's winning, you know
0: yeah, so there I guess there were facts you just heightened them to,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah,' Cause not everything's like." funny in the moment a lot of my jokes are really not funny in the moment and then the way i get over it or work through it is like i'll find it funny later you know yeah yeah, yeah. like uh, my first five minutes was about a really really bad breakup um where like i was living with the guy and everything and it's like when we broke up that wasn't funny at all it was horrible and it was like really like hard mental health wise hard everything wise and like i just um, you make light of it in a way because I just sort of realize, like, oh, I'm, I'm packing all my stuff. I'm moving. I'm, I'm in Ireland. What the hell? This is ridiculous. Like, just everything, mm-hmm. the way this person's speaking to me, this is the way I'm feeling about this. This is ridiculous. This is gonna, I think that's just the way my brain copes with things is I make it mm-hmm. funny later on. Um, and I was listening to David Spade's podcast with, um, oh, I forget his name, but I love him. Um, oh, he was in Wayne's World. What's his name? Carney? Wait, D- uh, David Carney? Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey, yeah. I was listening to their podcast and just laughing and, like, packing my stuff. And I was, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know.
0: <laughs> have you have you a comedy dream? What, what, are you, what are you aiming at? you want to do an hour oh yeah play the o2 or the three or Vicker street where are we gaming uh madison square garden
1: oh i don't know i definitely i want to do 45 minutes at edinburgh this next august like solo show i'd say okay. i think that's a goal of mine and then honestly i think comedy wise it's like i I wasn't planning on doing stand-up um i'm happy that it's happening because it gives me autonomy over like my writing character development, meeting people who make a living being uh, talent in different shows and different industries that are part of the entertainment industry. Um, And so I still want to go for acting, but in a way where it's like, I write a TV show and I star in it and I, it's like comedic based, but also I do like drama. Like I like Ricky Gervais's kind of humor in the serious. Like, in, in yeah. real life, where you make things funny, but kind of like what I said, where it's like, in the moment, it wasn't funny at all, but like it's just so tragic that you find something funny in it.
0: So, do you think, um, I know that people pursue in comedy in Ireland, it's ultimately London, um, the UK?
1: I mean... What do you think? Like I, so I'm half English, and my dad's from London. or he's from Colchester. Okay. Um, so I've always wanted to like live in London for a bit of time, but it honestly that had nothing to do with like comedy or acting. So I'm I'm thinking of moving there, and I'll still like pursue everything I'm pursuing, but I don't want to say that like it's you're doing it
0: because of comedy. You're just doing it because you
1: yeah yeah because i want to be able to call my dad and be like oh i just walked through piccadilly circus blah, blah 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 but like i i really want ireland to like i don't i don't want it to be like a brain drain of all the creatives have to go to london to make it work you know what i mean like we need mm. to build something here and i'm still kind of passionate about that even if i do go to london for a bit like this is the first yeah. place that feels like home Oh, that's great. Yeah, like for better or for worse, you know? Cuz like it's not always like super happy, like the Home is where the trauma is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just it's a great group of people that I've met here and like it is really just a great place to live and it's really inspiring and I don't want to abandon it, you know?
0: Yeah. Um Yeah, I was listening to you guys' podcast, probably an old episode, it was um but Robbie was complaining that there wasn't a, a comedy cellar style oh. hang happening every time. Yeah. And oh. I was like, I feel like I mean maybe y'all aren't hanging out as much as I, I perceive, but like the comedy scene in Dublin is you know, it's cracked down its stitches, it's it's mm-hmm. Like there's there's X amount of rooms and everybody's in those bars every night of the week to some degree. Like, you want to go hang out with comedians? They're there. Go hang, you know? Yeah,
1: I think, yeah. um, like, that was the Mike Sable episode, and I know what you're talking oh, about. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what Robbie's point was at that time, but I do know um, that, like, in Edinburgh, we hung out with a bunch of comedians, like, 24-7. And, right. um, which, <laughs> again, for better or for worse, and then also <laughs> we're constantly, I mean, I can't speak for him, but, like... I'm constantly at the crack den, like, helping with flyering and, like, seeing yeah. shows, meeting comedians, and then um, doing spots at other places. And, like, you do become kind of, uh, like, you have a separate relationship. Like, I think you've got your day job, your personal life, and then with the comedians, like, there is this tight-knit kind of special relationship that you have with the other comics. So we do have a community. It's just maybe he was yeah. trying to say, like, we don't, it doesn't feel like um, the comedy store or something where you can just hang and like, you know, Whitney yeah. Cummings l- will The walk Laughter in. Lounge
0: isn't the hub it could be.
1: Oh, yeah. I Like, I've... Like
0: a, a permanent, fixed, purpose-built building. Yeah,
1: I've actually, I've never been to Laughter Lounge and... I've-
0: I've never been I don't know anyone yeah <laughs> like I know do you know people performing there? I
1: actually do so I think um Eddie Malarkey recently performed there Eddie mm-hmm. McQueen performs there regularly Brian Gallagher um but I'm just not on their level yet at all you mm-hmm. know so mm-hmm. I if I went over there to hang out the people who run the laughter lounge should be like what are you doing here like do you want to get a mm-hmm. ticket <laughs> um as they should you know because I'm That's like I'm working That's- up from the bottom
0: I guess I'm displaying how little I know about the the scene at the same time as as much as I'm involved to a to a degree. Mm. Like you you know who runs Hysteria, you know who runs Chene, you know who runs Crackdown, mm-hmm. and maybe you do. I don't know who runs the After Lounge. Is it comedians or is it like a corporate or that's like a business pursuit? Like who, um, who owns that place?
1: I mean, I know people who MC there. I'm not actually sure who owns it um, yeah. because I do think. Uh, yeah, I just I don't think I've met them, so I'm not quite yeah. sure. And it's embarrassing because Who, maybe who's the Mitzi Shore over there. Yeah, like maybe I should. Maybe I have met them at something, and I didn't realize that they owned the Laughter Lounge. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really sure. I don't even know if I can like speak to that because specifically yeah. Laughter Lounge is like the one that I don't really know. But like, yeah, yeah.
0: I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like, is that like? Um, it seems like there's a very specific. There's a, there's a whole Dublin comedy scene, mm-hmm. and then there's this thing that is like a purpose-built space that's mm-hmm. been there for years, mm-hmm. but it just feels like this sort of island on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> um,
0: do, you, do you feel like we've covered comedy enough?
1: I mean, I do, yeah. Did I answer everything to the...
0: Perfect. It was great. It's a very fun conversation. Okay, perfect. Um, so you came to us with some like it, hot. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this a Christmas movie for you?
1: Um, I mean, not really. I would kind of be able to watch this year round. It's definitely a favorite movie of mine. Um, but yeah, I mean, is it, a, have you, you've seen it before?
0: I have. Yeah. I do feel like for me, like, so I love Christmas movies and the Christmas movie season is great. And I mm-hmm. also have this like idea that I've, um, I've made it something in my head that it never was like when I was growing up. Like, say in the 90s, as a a little kid, it was like the movies from 30 years ago were on and they were all really old, like classic and Technicolor and musicals and stuff, or maybe 40, 50 years ago. But like, Mm -hmm. these were the things that they were playing. And now, as an adult, the movies from twenty years ago on, and they're like Transformers and Harry Potter, and and I'm like, these are garbage. Where is all <laughs> that like classic cinema that's supposed to be on at Christmas? Yeah. So I do think about some like it hot as being on around the Christmas season when they're showing like old Jimmy Stewart and Fred Astaire and yeah, like all of the classic Hollywood movies. Um, I like I really do think that like i mean i understand that they've bought the licensing rights for the film that year or whatever and they've got as many screenings of it as they want so they throw on jurassic world Mm. but like i always think there's this great opportunity to just program a day's worth of films for two weeks that are like you know here's some audrey hepburn here's some Cary grant here's some here's some stuff that you do not see year round while we're pushing popcorn movies from the box office down your throat
1: yeah that's so true Um, um, I do kind of love this era of, like, American films as well, with, like, Audrey Hepburn, Katherine oh. Hepburn, Marilyn Monroe, um, like, where they have... And Cary Grant, like, where they have um, those really classic American film Hollywood accents, where it's like, that's not necessarily oh. from a place, it's just Hollywood.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, Tony Curtis, like, I mean, we're jumping way into the movie. <laughs> by the time he's talking to Marilyn yeah. with that, like spoof on Kerry grant in the mid-atlantic thing yeah. it's such a funny voice
1: yeah i wish i had that right. accent it's kind of it's just so classic it's just like oh yes
0: <laughs> oh, It's well you, you know the story behind that right i
1: actually don't is it like there were there were kind of british um actors trying to sound american or something like that
0: it's well okay i'm gonna i'm gonna mess up the specifics of it but it 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 is purely a Hollywood kind of creation or, like, a, a, a like early 20th century thing as broadcasting's coming about. And, mm. t- like, in the same way that the UK developed the received pronunciation where everything got very posh and very, like, articulate. And you had to, like, everyone on TV had to speak very clearly. And so they tried to, like, drive, like, regional American accents out of actors oh. and arrive at this. Like, that's where you get the, the mid-Atlantic... Or the there's a, a I just heard like there's an Australian guy pushing it as like like World English. Oh okay. Where it was trying to like soften all of the the regionalness out of it but keep like really clear articulation. So you end up with, you know, Catherine Hepburn's yeah. very very odd delivery. Um yeah. and it's yeah, I, it's it's a phenomenon. It's like I don't know, is it like when everybody started um for shizzle <laughs> like everybody pi- everybody picked on a thing for a while and just spoke like that and yeah like er- early 2000s you know street culture working its way into white movies
1: <laughs> you're making me want to yeah. look up like interviews with them separate from films to know what they actually sound like because now I'm like wondering like what does katherine hepburn actually sound like you know cuz i I'm,
0: I'm sure she actually sounded like that but really? it's just I'm, I'm i'm i would wager she drove her regional accent I mean like Patrick Stewart is is Yorkshire I mm. think like he's very regional working-class guy but by the time he went to the Royal Shakespeare Company and everything else he just had to soften all of that out and speak the Queen's English mm. in a whole new way like they just drive that stuff out of people yeah it's mm. interesting where are you from specifically
1: uh, so I'm from Manhattan yeah um right yeah it's kind of funny because it's like I'll just say Is yours
0: a Manhattan accent or have you just been in Europe a long time and it's uh
1: I think I've always had a weird accent like a mixed like it's definitely American but since my dad's English there's always been that influence as well on like certain words okay. um and then I speak French fluently so that might also kind of mess things around as well because also when you live in like a country where the people don't fully understand English, like I would speak English Mm. more clearly and a little slower so that they could understand me, or if I was speaking French with them, you know, it's just a completely different uh, string of sounds, so yeah, different intonation as well
0: i've pivoted way off i'm oh, sorry <laughs> where you're from specifically so, oh, that's my fault i was just like i got lost in accent talk for a second and then went okay, i also didn't ask you specifically where you're from i know you've spent like austin for a bit
1: oh yeah austin um, for like 10 years
0: so some like it hot yes when two male musicians witness a mob hit they flee the state disguised as women in an all-female band however it does not end their difficulties and further complications set in marilyn monroe tony curtis jack lemon joey brown George Raft, a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. It it is a classic. It's um directed by Billy Wilder. Um we talked about a Billy Wilder film recently called Ace in the Hole. Um do are you Do you love the movie or have you watched a bunch of Billy Wilder films even? Or like would you know?
1: I'm like I love the movie. I love the movie. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um Billy Wilder's um like with along with like Frank Capra, he's like Produced like some of the best Americana, really, like films of the 20th century, and like uh, he worked with Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau a bunch. Mm,
1: I love Jack, Jack Lemmon. Lemmon is he's a genius. He's amazing. He's a genius.
0: Just a he is. He absolutely is. He's um he's the perfect. I just like animators fixate on really. Because oh my god, I can actually they,
1: see that because his face is just.
0: His face is doing so much stuff. He like, yeah. There's a moment in the movie where he gets in the elevator with Joey Brown. Like, I don't know when the last time you watched it is. I just watched it last
1: yeah. night. Yeah, I know. Um, I know what you're talking about, though.
0: Where he gets in and, and Joey puts a hand on him as the door closes, and he just yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. Just a moment where his eyes meet the camera. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, he's always been this brilliant. Um, collection of like really physical comedy and and just mugging like his expressions are just perfect which is also i an observation i had of taylor tomlinson her lines are great her act outs are great and when she just does stuff with her face it's great as well yeah like it's it's great performance yeah Um, i think
1: there's something there as well that like your audience you have to assume that your audience is smart even if your audience isn't, because um, that's, like, really good acting or really good comedy. If you can kind of trust that the audience is going to get what you're saying so you don't have to connect all the dots for them. It's so like Jack Lemon making a face and having you project onto it or Taylor Tomlinson taking a pause and, like, you know, taking a beat to make that face and you just put it together and it kind of just clicks faster than if she mm. was to explain something or, you know, be on the nose about it.
0: So I'm going I'm to shut up about because I'll keep talking and I'll hit you with, like, trivia. Oh, but I love but like, trivia. Tell, 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 me what you, tell me what you love about this movie.
1: Um, so I love Marilyn Monroe in it. I love Tony Curtis. I love Jack Lemmon. So I love those three. Like, the trio of them is brilliant. Mm. Um, I watched it when I was a really little kid and it was one of those things where my dad was like, okay, we're going to expand your film education today. And it was, like, it's a great. favorite movie. Like, okay, I'm going to let you in on this, like, brilliant movie. And I, like... I honestly kind of think of it as, like, a Valentine's Day film. Like, I watch it whenever, but I think of it almost Valentine's Day-esque. Valentine's Day-esque. Yeah. Because of the massacre that happens in the beginning. It reminds me of, like, the Chicago, like, Valentine's Day massacre. And, like, um you know, I've seen this movie a ton of times, but I think the first time I watched it, that's, like, the impression I carry with me a bit. Where I was just like, oh, my God, it's so funny. They're dressed up as women, and they're just, they're not very um they're not very subtle ever and they're not like good at acting like women they're just they're they're it's just so funny it's just so funny
0: i i i like i sent a voice note chatting with mates yesterday like like i love you you get it in your head that the past was this like distant time where people were you know all wearing suits and were serious and stayed and whatever and it's funny when you watch a movie like this and you realize that, like, okay, the language is a little different and they're using different euphemisms mm-hmm. and it might seem a little, like, little like nudge, nudge, wink, wink, rather than like as hangover and broad as it could be. But they're still just like dirty sex and <laughs> jokes and it's still just like we're in a nightclub getting like they they hit on all the dancing girls and like it's it's just just as bawdy as like anything else going on today. You forget these people were people and they're just being. Like, I don't know how old they were at that point. How old was Jack Lemmon in this movie? Ah,
1: I'm not sure.
0: Should I look that up? It's hard to... Like, she says at one point that she's like 25 or something.
1: I doubt it. I feel like she was older, but I can look this up um, because Uh, I'm really curious.
0: Yeah, 1959. Uh, I'm going to look up Jack Lemmon if you look up Marilyn.
1: Okay. How old is Marilyn? Uh but also, I feel like people were more sophisticated back then. So she could have been 25 and just looked like she was a true adult, like 35 or something. Um,
0: so Lemon was 34.
1: Um, I love how it's not just giving me the answer and I've literally... Oh, okay, perfect. Marilyn Monroe was 31.
0: Yeah, so like, I don't know, I guess... I I do lose sight of like how old people were in these things because i don't know you just like there's a movie called high noon and um uh lloyd bridges jeff bridges's dad is in oh i had only ever seen him in like the hot shots movies and he's clearly nearly 80 in those films <laughs> and he's just this wrinkled mess and then i see high noon and it's like i still see an old man yeah. you know. but it's a black and white and they keep calling him kid and he's like he's the young upstart cowboy yeah um
1: i actually i also love how in some like it hot with the mob that they kind of have like the gangster character um the guy who plays the gangster character i'm pretty sure was like a real like involved with like new gangsters in real life or something like that and like okay yeah i don't know like spats what's his name spats,
0: spats. spats. yeah yeah I don't know. there's like the the one of his henchmen with the the big old face on him like a real heavy, hey, that's my machine gun. Like Harry Hill, I think his name was. No, Harry Wilson. Um he's such a face. And I feel like there's like Warner Brothers cartoons from that era where they're just drawing that guy for every time they need a gangster. Yeah. Like these are just I don't know. I just I love the I guess I underestimate people in the past. Like that car chase at the start when there's two there's like two police on either side hanging on the runner boards of that car and they spin that fuck like they skid and spin that with a driver and four people hanging off the edges and this car is spinning and it's like holy god health and safety not not even a concern at this point
1: yeah they must have done what Tom Cruise did where it's like you know how can I do this thing safely and the guy is like you can't and he's like okay I need a new safety guy (laughs) (laughs) instead of just like you know oh okay that's not safe I won't do it um,
0: have you a favorite moment in the movie
1: yes I think the bathtub or is there a moment
0: you like favorites is always the worst question like. I
1: mean I think it's like the so I have like three <laughs> I have like I mean I love every moment. It's kind of like I love when they're on the train and they're meeting each other for the first time and Marilyn's in like the little bathroom of the train and the two men are really attracted to her but they're they're like acting like women and so they can't just mm. openly kind of flirt with her. They're like I play saxophone and she's like, "Oh, I would throw myself at a saxophone guy." Like, "Too bad you're not a man." <laughs> blah blah blah. And it's just it's just so funny kind of the comedic tension of watching these two men fawn over her and be like, wait, but I am, but I'm not, but I oh and then um and that kind of just starts the whole tension and also between the two friends like going after her a bit. Um mm. and then I love uh you know when it's Spats's uh birthday and that whole scene. I don't want to spoil it because it is kind of the scene. I guess, but people need to watch it, you know? Like, where they're kind of hiding <laughs> okay, and everything. Okay. And, like, um yeah. and I do love, so the the yacht scene where, like, Tony Curtis has taken it way too far with this lie. He said that he owns a yacht and yeah. he's, like, got her on this yacht. And um Jack Lemon is, they're just trying to sabotage each other the whole time. And there's a bathtub scene as well where... um, it's like basically tony curtis is hitting on marilyn monroe on the beach as the man and then jack lemon is dressed in his woman character and he's like oh marilyn like we need to like sugar sugar we need to go like like this other character wants you and it's it's the female version of tony so he has to jump Mm. into the bath before they get in and i think that's my favorite part of the entire movie just because the tension of like is he gonna make it is he gonna and then he stands up in his suit because it's a bubble bath and so you can't you you think like you know that he's kind of got it all together and then he stands up and he's like i hate you i'm gonna kill you (laughs) like i don't know it's just such a joyful there's so many joyful moments
0: there's so many, like, the the moment they see Marilyn Monroe, and they're like, it's like jello on Springs. Yeah. Like, the, 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 lo- the language or the lines are so funny. Um, at one point, the first time he suggests dressing up with a woman, he goes, he's got an empty stomach, and it's gone to his head. <laughs> like, what a way of saying, like, that, what a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I I just like the the train scene where everybody starts crowding into that bunk like they're trying to like keep a low profile oh
1: I love that scene as well like they're all kind of drinking and partying and like hiding and like um isn't Jack
0: mixing cocktails in the hot water bottles
1: yeah oh so funny and they're kind of sleeping at first so they're kind of not in their disguises and yeah. like these women are coming into their bunks and they're like no like this is get out of here get out get out get out they're like trying to be with Marilyn, like alone um
0: yeah and it's it's yeah they end up with, like 10 people squeezed into that little bunk yeah <laughs> it's so
1: funny no. it would have been so fun it... to film you know
0: i mean for jack
1: wait why wait <laughs> is there trivia that i don't know about
0: no 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 there's no trivia it's just one dude under nine women
1: oh uh, no 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 which... i i meant the film in a in total oh okay, <laughs> in, okay. in 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 <laughs> like in its entirety I actually,
0: you said scene specifically the film the course of like there's moments in that where like um so like uh i was thinking about oh. it like that that train scene reminded me very much of uh the marx brothers i don't know if you've watched many marx brothers movies uh, what's an example of one they have a movie called A Night at the Opera
1: okay I haven't seen that
0: and the three of them have stowed aboard a liner to go to New York Mm -hmm. I think it's New York to like like they've pretended they're opera singers and they're like stowed across on this boat and they're hiding in the tiniest little cabin and then slowly more and more people start hiding in the cabin but no one can know they're all there. And you end up with 12 people and somebody outside trying to take like a breakfast order and the breakfast order keeps getting larger and larger and larger, <laughs> yeah. no explanation. And like, it's just such a funny overcrowding scene so it reminded me of that Oh, a lot. I need to
1: watch that. Um, the, the,
0: the, like, I loved the Marx Brother movies growing up. My dad had them on VHS and we would watch them. Mm-hmm. And you watch them now and they're a little... Um, What they would do is like they were like from that vaudeville era going to theaters and
1: like performing.
0: And they would go and do these things or they would screen their movies and they would time how long people were laughing for. Really? And then they would perform the scene in front of a camera and pause because they know it takes 10 seconds for the laughter to die down.
1: Oh, that's interesting. And it just means
0: now if you're watching at home on your own there are these just like kind of like lulls for a moment oh that's weird like, Ooh, that's a little oh,
1: that's really weird. Um,
0: like not all of their stuff but their earliest stuff anyway yeah
1: i kind of love that i like i i don't look up enough like film trivia but it is it's kind of the most interesting trivia that there is in my mind just because hearing like that's real like film history of just like you know that's why those lines are so separate and yeah. they don't do that anymore and it's,
0: it's... It's, well I mean I don't know that they ever should have they're, <laughs> they're learning as they're going you know? Yeah. Like it's when it's new technology like I saw a screening I'm so sorry I'm just doing all this fucking talking and I brought you on to talk about it. not him. at all but I, w- I went to see I went to see um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade mm. and they showed it in the lighthouse and I'm sitting there and there's there's an exchange in that movie that I've seen a dozen times on television where uh, like they both Harrison Ford and Sean Connery find out that they've been sleeping with the same woman uh. or they have both slept with the same woman and he goes you know how did you know she oh. how did you know she was a Nazi she talks in her sleep oh what, you're? she's old enough to be your daughter I'm as game as the next man I was the next man uh. and it's this little exchange but it's kind of too laboured and there's just there's it just, I always think it like goes on a bit long. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it in a cinema with a full audience and everyone laughed so much mm. that it was perfect. Yeah, Everyone laughed just enough for there to be a lull and for the line to come back and for there to be a lull in the next line. Oh. And I was like, oh, that works perfectly in a theater. It's
1: oh, that's interesting. Not as
0: much on your own. I
1: actually didn't really think about that because that's a bit like stand-up comedy sets where like you have such little amount of time, like five to 10 minutes or something. So each thing you say is sort of... Like you learn as you go to try to get laughs for each thing and give a pause mm-hmm. or have a like, um, oh, I need to know what this is. Uh, no, like when you have a punchline and then you have a, a tag, like to have little tags mm. off a punchline. So that's interesting to have yeah. like a two hour movie where it's kind of the same. It's like you have this a lot amount of time. Um, and each line is so important because you have such a finite mm-hmm. amount of lines for those moments. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah,
0: And and, and knowing that like, I mean, like bringing it back to stand up when you're doing your first sets and you've written five minutes worth of material and you just blow through all of it without pausing. Cause you got to get all the words mm. out and you're not even leaving room for laughs. You're just like, I got to get all the words out and then go. <laughs>
1: That's honestly still me now, I think. Cause like when people laugh, Again, it might be imposter syndrome because I'm not I'm not like expecting people to laugh and then when they laugh, it's like, okay, great, they got that one. But then if they're laughing a little too long, I'm like, okay, you guys like I'm I'm saying the next thing now, so shut up. So I often like cut off the laughing because i'm saying the next line but people who are way more experienced yeah just
0: sit back and yeah people
1: who are more experienced than me they definitely like revel like not revel in it but they'll they won't interrupt themselves they'll like wait for people to stop laughing whereas i'll kind of be like okay i have this amount of time and i have like the booker's eyes on me with the flashlight in the back like i gotta say what i gotta say you know Hmm. um but yeah i don't know i also like i love watching tony curtis because he looks like Jamie Lee Curtis. Or she looks like him. She's she's his daughter. Dulcie. I knew that. Oh, okay, okay.
0: Well, actually, until you said it, I had forgotten They it.
1: look exactly and the same. And it just... It was
0: Janet Lee was the mother.
1: Yeah. Which I actually didn't realize. She psycho. was in Psycho, wasn't she?
0: Yeah, I
1: never put yeah. that together, actually. I thought oh. she just had him as, like, a famous dad. Like, he's, like, the movie star. Um,
0: she did a photo shoot, like recreating that psycho set you know like in the shower with a curtain or oh. something. i think she did something like that years back as yeah. well yeah um i
1: think i saw that
0: but i just never put it together that that was her mom
1: <laughs> i'm a genius so you, see,
0: <laughs> you see jamie lee and tony
1: yeah i think they look That's really bad. similar
0: i gotta go back and look at it again yeah look at him again he's he's very funny like that that character he's playing that posh yeah guy is the shell oil guy yeah it's brilliant really good
1: um, <laughs> i um would you describe him as like a dry sense of humor just because he's like the serious one and then jack lemon is a bit more of the like physical kind of out there comedy of that or like do you think they're both because i don't really know like the different descriptions but i do like tony yeah, curtis's it's kind
0: of hard isn't it yeah like um, he's like I the straight know. guy like, i don't yeah he's not quite a he's not quite like the straight man he's got a lot of laughs in there as well oh yeah but like Um, straight
1: as in uh like he doesn't go outlandish for a laugh he's kind of like yeah you know he's lying about the shell oil thing to marilyn and you just find places to laugh because it's just so ridiculous but it's not really him whereas i think jack lemon just like would bend over backwards for a laugh in a way
0: oh And he did, as as he was dipped during the dance scene. That dance sequence is the like going from them making out in the yacht Mm -hmm. to like that whip pan back to the dance floor, and back to the yacht. It's such a funny piece of filmmaking. It's so funny. Like Edgar Wright and like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz Mm -hmm. is like one of the only guys that you see doing like that sort of like whip pan these days, and it feels like modern and fresh. And then when you see Billy Wilder in 1959 was doing it. You know? Yeah.
1: You gotta learn from somewhere, it's though, I'm sure.
0: hundred yeah. um, percent. So does it work out well for old Tony and, and Jack? What? A, what? A, we don't want to give spoilers for the movie. Um, but
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't feel like they end up rich. They don't die, is the main thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. I don't know. I think... When I was little, I was so focused on, like, that kind of chase thing because they're they're trying to get the girl, but they're also trying to get away from the mob the whole time. I don't know what the right mm. word is. Mob, mafia, gangster, I don't know. Like, that kind the of...
0: The friends of Italian. Opera. Yeah, like,
1: the baddies, the baddies of the film. They're yeah. constantly, like, they're in disguise. And so they're trying to be in disguise for these, like, mobsters to, um, you know, like, they're in the female jazz ensemble kind of thing like the traveling thing and they're keeping the disguise for the mobsters but they also don't want to be in disguise because they want Marilyn to be interested in them um i don't know honestly i think it works out the best for jack lemon's character because he like there's this oh like oh i don't i don't want to spoil it but he
0: just he
1: ends up happily married best
0: final lines in a movie in history people people know right like what percentage of our audience i'm the worst respect
1: i mean you know if you've made it this far i feel like you mm. probably have seen the film so like i just i mean without giving it away he gets happily married to this really wealthy man for being himself like taking off his wig and be like i'm a man
0: (laughs) and nobody's perfect
1: nobody's (laughs) perfect oh it's just brilliant it's brilliant so
0: funny Everywhere they could put some comedy, they put some comedy. Like, even, like, the bellhop that's showing them to the room. Oh, yeah. Like, he's wearing, like, this giant key ring around his neck and hitting on Tony <laughs> Curtis the whole yeah. time. That's so odd. Aw- that's so funny. Or, like, when they first show up, the... um, I'm just looking at my notes here. Uh-huh. Um, there's, a, there's a moment where, t- like, I guess there's a when they show up in Florida and that row of old millionaires is just sitting out on the porch oh, and they're yeah. all raising their hats yeah. it's such a funny sight gag um, when Tony Curtis is feeling like he's um, like inferior or like you know Marilyn would never go for him he has this line that it's like oh you're probably looking for like someone who's like Johnny Weissmuller <laughs> who's like the macho man of the day like he's the guy that played Tarzan
1: oh I didn't know that yeah, oh. so when he makes that
0: when he says Johnny Weissmuller, he's talking like big beefy. Yeah, guy. and she's like, No, I and just she... love
1: saxophone like literally like describes him.
0: Yeah, or or just like soft boys with glasses because <laughs> yeah. they
1: weep. Yeah, like oh you my know? god.
0: But it's like nineteen fifties male gaze versus female gaze stuff. Yeah. Like I saw um I won't name the comedian, but I saw somebody do a joke where the setup was like, you know, the way we all agree the rock is the most attractive man in the world. It was like
1: i don't know if i agree with that
0: and all the women in the audience were like no and <laughs> suddenly this guy was like wait women <laughs> women are attracted to large muscular beef heads like yeah like it, it was such a funny like learning moment
1: that's really funny was that like at an open mic or something
0: that was um black sheep a well, while black
1: sheep okay it
0: was um yeah, I'll I'll leave him on name. Okay, to, that's to okay. To but like in that in that moment I just thought this person just learned the difference between the male gaze and the female gaze. Yeah, no,
1: I um so like I'm by, so I kind of like I deal with the male gaze and the female gaze and the balance of that like every day with things. And like it is weird mm. how like the female gaze is just it's completely different, you know, than the male one, but at the same time, The male gaze that we all kind of think of is also different from the reality as well. So, I don't know. I think with this movie as Mm -hmm. well, like, as a kid and it being from the 50s, it was sort of my first time seeing um, a film from that time that had anything to do with, like, LGBT themes. And, I mean, it is still very kind of you know, for the time, it's like, because, um, I mean, Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis are dressed in disguise as women, and every single time they kind of grapple with, like, a man hitting on them, or the fact that Marilyn wouldn't be interested in them if they're a woman kind of thing, you know, so it's still showing, like, straight, um, uh like heterosexual themes as like the main accepted Mm -hmm. thing but they're still playing around with like you know look at these two men disguise like look at them disguised as like their best version of what a woman is and it is experimenting with that female gaze and male gaze thing of like they're Mm -hmm. experiencing for the first time being hit on by men Unwantingly, like they don't want to be hit yeah. on and they're experiencing what the women of that time experience where they're like oh my god i'm being harassed and i can't even oh, tell this person to fuck off because i'm a woman and i can't tell them to you know um
0: uh, without that, that moment in the in the elevator when the, the gangster goes what room are you staying in because none of your business and he just looks at her key and says 414 mm. i'll be in it's touch so scary it's like,
1: <laughs> it's like yeah like they kind of they deal with like you know especially at that time like how the women were kind of seen as like like objectified and everything and like everyone in hollywood is gay mm-hmm. so at that time i'm sure it was the same as well but obviously like probably more closeted even though probably on set yeah. everyone probably knew and so it's just fun it's just a really fun movie to see i don't know that was really stupid like last year i'm like it's a really fun movie to see um
0: no it's it's that's perfect (laughs) it's perfect i think we're like we're at like an hour 10 um do you feel we've discussed some like it hot adequately i do have you sold it to an audience i
1: I think i have i mean how do you feel because you talk about films all the time like do you think we've given it a good analysis or i think
0: um i think so i think it's like Every time I watch a movie from this era, I'm, like, reminded of how... I shouldn't be surprised, but, I, like, invariably, I'm like just like, they were so technically amazing mm. with what they did. You know, like, there's so... um there's so... You've got this impression of cinema being rudimentary and getting better over time or whatever. And it's just like, no, there's some stuff in this that's, like... Like, there's a moment where Jack Lemmon looks in a, in a compact mirror mm. and the way they've, like, rear-projected the shot of all the gangsters yes. like onto that... Like, or, or, like, like they did it in post or something so that you can see them crystal clear behind in that reflection. Yeah. Like that's a bit of visual effects stuff that's, like, I don't know how they... I, I mean, I, I have an idea how you'd go about doing it back then, but, like, it's, it's so amazing. The car chase where they, like, pull a lever and the roof slides away <laughs> and all the guns are in the thing. Like, yeah. like, people just having fun even then, you know? Like, it's, like... I don't know. We think we're so sophisticated, but they're just, they were doing it then too. People were fun. Yeah. People were fun back in the day. Yeah.
1: Huh? I mean, I feel like nowadays it's like people um, with their big budgets and everything, they'll do these amazing, kind of over the top, distracting um, special effects or whatever that don't really need to be there, but are amazing mm-hmm. in themselves just for existing. Like it is cool, like in Marvel films and stuff. But I think like some like It Hot and all those other movies of the time are so story focused and that's really what i love to see you know what i mean like for the writing and I, the i was looking technical
0: at, i was looking at um sorry to no
1: you're off. good no 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 i was done
0: <laughs> um but even the moment where, like do you think that was marilyn monroe riding down the pier on that bicycle like i like when she's racing down to the yacht at the end I like i didn't pause it. it and even with my big tv i was just like i doubt it What's the set of the shoulders? <laughs> you know, just looking for...
1: Yeah, no, I, I doubt that she did her own stunts just because she was That's such so, a phenomenon. I, I doubt that they would... You know, they I, probably spent... I'd love to
0: zoom in and see the size of the day. Yeah,
1: like, they probably spent most of their money on the actors, like, getting her to do it, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. So, Billy Wilder has a bunch of other films. I'm going to list some of them for yes. you. And, like, I'm sure you've heard of them. Like, I'm going to list out, like, the ones that I know to be his, like, standout ones. Okay. Um, that people seem to know, and you can tell me if you've seen any of them. And this is not a movie trivia test or whatever. Like, <laughs> like I've seen a bunch of them. And I I recommend them if you ever feel like it. But I recently watched. So like I love um, the Fortune Cookie, which is um, like it's again Jack Lemon. He's a he's a camera operator for the NFL. Ooh. I don't know if they were calling them the NFL in in 1970. They, the, probably, in, were. Well, in they probably were. 1966. Um, probably were and they might have changed the name of it because, I don't know, they weren't licensed to use it or something, but some version of it. And a football player tackles him or just plows into him, and he pretends to have whiplash. Uh And his cousin is, like, um, Walter Matthau, and he's just this snake of a lawyer. And he's just like, he can't even move. He can't even move. Like, Uh we're suing you for everything. And it's all about, like, the lawsuit to try and, like to to set themselves up for life yeah. and like jack doesn't want to do it and that's pure like entertainment the football player is a sweetheart yeah and he feels so guilty and he's drinking himself into the grave for hurting his that's friend that's brilliant it's it's so funny that's um, actually i really think that's it's worth so watching.
1: genius actually i want to watch that because that's so simple but that's so dramatic like that would be such a good film i want to see that
0: that's called the fortune cookie i nice. am um, i really i love it um I know Irma Ladouche is really regarded. I have never seen it. Um, the apartment is again Jack Lemon. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. I've that heard one. of
1: it. I don't uh, quite know what it's about, even though I guess it's about an apartment.
0: So, uh, <laughs> okay, so it's again a case of like you think of everybody as being like, well, there was a Hayes Code and everybody had to be respectable and nobody was talking about anything and everybody was like really like civil human beings. Mm. Um, Jack <laughs> Lemon is a low-level executive in, I think, an advertising company. Ooh. And all of the top-tier executives come to him for his spare key so they can take their mistresses to his house. Oh, God. Ew. So he's basically got a guy... He's, like, a guy who just, like, has a spare room, and he's trying to, like...
1: That's so weird. ...deal
0: with the, like... ...deal with the, like, work pressure of his boss going, you'll uh, you'll let me borrow that key tonight, right? And it's, like, Ew. it's funny it is a funny film if uh, maybe i'm selling the. <laughs> yeah it, it sounds
1: really it, horrible like really dark or something when you're um, talking about it but if it's a comedy like i'm it sure it's a comedy. Great.
0: it does it seriously has a dark moment there is a um a so a main manhattan insurance clerk tries to rise in his company by letting executives use his apartment for trysts oh. but complications <laughs> and a romance of his own ensue does that sound nicer than the way i saw i
1: guess it? i mean it's just i think comedy is so married with like drama like, it's literally mm. the exact same thing. Um, I, I don't know what makes... Like, comedy is drama, apparently. Mm. Like, you... The actors, like, do it as if it's a drama, but then it's... I don't know. So the way you describe that story, it makes sense that it would sound so dark.
0: It... It does. they like... There's funny moments in it. There's beautiful performances in it. Jack Lemmon's great as well. It's really endearing. It's, like... It's not... It's not some like it hot. There's mm. definitely like by the end of it, it's like kind of harrowing. Okay, just to be just to be completely upfront. Like, Oof. but I think the thing is that in my head, and like Sabrina is like a famous rom com. Um, in my head, I have all of these in my head as Billy Wilder films, just goofy light comedies with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon.
1: Mm-hmm. Is Sabrina with but, uh, Audrey Hepburn?
0: Uh, I believe so. Yes. Okay, I've
1: seen that um, one.
0: I, I I think they remade it with Harrison Ford in the 90s. Ooh. Yeah, um, uh, Humphrey Bogart and Audrey Hepburn. Yeah,
1: I've seen that one. I'm not sure I love Humphrey Bogart though. Especially cuz he fair. didn't really treat Audrey Hepburn very well. Like he had this he was like this older guy um you know by that time and he didn't really respect her. He was like who is this young oh. And he just wasn't very nice to her on set, I guess. Like I don't know, so... There's no
0: call for being shitty. Yeah,
1: so, like, when I watch that film, that's all I can think about, really.
0: And you have that with Singing in the Rain as well. Wait, really? Is that, like... Wait, what happened
1: in Singing in the Rain? um, That's one of my favorite uh, films.
0: Give me a minute. Uh Uh-oh. Is it Shirley MacLaine?
1: Um... No, it's uh, the woman, Star Wars lady. What's her name? Her mom was in it.
0: Debbie Reynolds. Yeah, Debbie Reynolds. Yes, yes, yes.
1: I fucking love Debbie. Um, Debbie Reynolds.
0: R.I.P. So apparently, apparently Gene Kelly was kind of a Are you
1: serious?
0: Yeah, he was, um, like the way the story is told Mm -hmm. and like, I don't know, maybe this is me. um, Projecting. I'm just kidding. I'm
1: joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) <laughs> sorry, um, sorry, I make jokes sometimes. I,
0: I feel like by the time I'm seeing Debbie Reynolds go, oh, I didn't like it, I didn't enjoy it, he was overbearing, he didn't like the fact that I was learning to dance and wasn't a great dancer. Oh, uh, he was such like, a great dancer. V- sure, <laughs> but if you're dancing with him for 11 hours a day and he's saying, would you get the fucking steps right, why are we wasting our time with this asshole? Oh, you know, like, no. Like, come on, we're here, we're here, come get it. Like, I don't know that that's what he was I'm sure, like, I'm sure it was. But I do feel that by the time we're getting the like, like the polite... This is the ten percent of what I'm willing to say yeah. to you about how annoying this or how kind of like tense this process was. Yeah, and I think the like when they kiss at one point, it was like he's twenty years older than her, and no one told her she was going to stick his tongue down his throat, and she was Ooh, like, "What the fuck is this?"
1: Poor thing.
0: Um, so um, sorry to ruin singing in the rain for you. I mean, like <laughs>
1: I'm. Oh no, I think so. Debbie Debbie Reynolds was like such a warrior like her life is insane Mm. like if anyone listening to this wants to look her up her life is actually insane like i think she was stolen from like to the point of being homeless twice in her life with her kids and she just made all her money back and like kept putting on show after show like she's a real performer and talent and like gene kelly is like a genius um dancer and actor as well but like he does give off those vibes of like you know I'm the best and yeah. blah blah and like I think like you know Bob Fosse and all those kind of Broadway real performer dancer kind of choreographer people really would be like you have to get this 100 percent right it's it's you have to do it
0: not necessarily any time for anything that isn't perfect I mean just get let's go let's yeah go. and
1: that film is perfect it's it's yeah perfect. I mean I love
0: it um, so what would we say um, Fortune Cookie some like it hot uh, the apartment. The Seven Year Itch like that's that's a classic Marilyn um Sunset Boulevard classic holy shit I didn't know
1: Billy Wilder did that
0: Billy Wilder the year after that uh, Ace in the Hole with Kirk Douglas which is a movie we watched recently enough and I went in thinking this was going to be a light comedy and it starts that way it's so funny and like he's such a weird like cartoonishly like evil journalist he's like oh I'll make the story sell Mm. like it's you know, fast talk, fast talk, high trousers, like that era of, of, of movies. Yeah. And by the end of it, it is so dark. Really. I was just like, wow, that is not what I expected. This is not the way I expected this movie to Yeah. Go. Um, it's it's amazing. Like the final shot in that movie is beautiful. Like I took that film and like made a GIF of it, and was just like, I can't believe that. <laughs> the final shot. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, Double Indemnity is is Billy Wilder as well, and I'm skipping over. Yeah. A bunch how of many other movies things, did he make? Just, like. Um, he's got, I think there's about 27. Wow. There's 27 listed on IMDb, and so many of them are Five raves to Cairo, Double Indemnity, The Lost Weekends, Death Mills, The Empire Walls, A Foreign Affair, <gasps> Sunset Boulevard, Affair. Ace in the Hole, Stalag 17. You know, Foreign Affair? I think
1: so. That
0: that was a big, yeah, reaction. that
1: name definitely like hit I don't know me. I'm one. like, I know that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, in Occupied Berlin, an army captain is torn between an ex-Nazi cafe singer and the US Congresswoman investigating her bar. I
1: feel like I've Jean seen Arthur, that. Arthur,
0: Marlene Dietrich. I feel
1: like I have seen that. I can't I, remember, like, though.
0: This guy's filmography is fantastic. Yeah. Just in terms of, like, the swing from comedy to drama. It's Honestly,
1: great. I think Sunset Boulevard is one of those films that I watched once in my life and I still remember it, like, completely. It just completely, like... Yeah it gave me like this visceral feeling and uh yeah. it's it's so good
0: it's so intense, it's so intense. Like, i recently i i was unaware that they've made a musical did they it but I, I, I no, hold on. I, I mean think that's on the West end. I'm suddenly like maybe it's just a drama and I'm making if this. I'm
1: remembering right, that's the one because I really have only seen it once, and so I might be mixing it up. but it's like um a uh, movie star from Silent films is like aging and she has this man staying with her, like this young man that she's sort of not obsessed with, but kind of and like she's watching her films and
0: she's kind of infatuated with him because he's playing like he's playing like he's starstruck because he wants at her her, her riches and her stuff. home and her money and her land and she she's so used to being adored that as she ages she's like really yeah happy to have someone around that's like fawning over her.
1: yeah i clearly need to watch it again because i remember the last scene and i remember mm. it gave me such a reaction because it's not what you're expecting you know yeah. Um, yeah. cause isn't it like, you can cut this out if this, like, cause this is a spoiler, but it's him in the pool, right? I, like he just,
0: yeah. yeah. I think they even open with that, you know, you don't realize that he's the body in the pool until oh, the very yeah.
1: end. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I need to watch that again. I really do. Cause for some reason I always forget endings of films and TV shows. Mm. Cause I think my body just is like, I want to be able to watch it again. So I can't Come remember like what happens at the end. I can't remember spoilers for myself.
0: So there is a musical. Uh Andrew Lloyd Webber's Sunset Boulevard. Wow. currently starring Nicole Scherzinger. Oh, that's I awesome.
1: I need yeah. to see that.
0: Next trip over to London mm-hmm. on the way off with you. That um, actually would
1: be awesome. <laughs> uh
0: so uh anything coming up you wanna you wanna plug?
1: Um, I mean I'm editing the season three of my podcast, Bimbo Plaza, at the moment. Um, and that's basically it. That's basically all I want to plug because I have stand-up comedy shows possibly coming up. But they're they're just so sporadic and, like, um, last minute in a way. Uh, like, I don't mm. have any planned until after Christmas right now. But I probably will, like, be on stage before then. So, I don't know.
0: So, keep your eyes peeled in Dublin Comedy for Madeline. Yeah, Winther. also,
1: I'm going to Glasgow Comedy Festival in March... So that's actually, cool. that's exciting. It's um, a four-hander show called Comediocre. So, okay. yeah. Yeah.
0: Is that a, is it like a play or is it like stand-up? It's stand-up.
1: So there's four stand-ups cool. and we're all um, okay. like, obviously it's like different sets, um, but our one show is Comediocre. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's just the way you said four-hander is like, like a play? No.
1: Um, that'd be cool.
0: Do you, do you plug Instagram? Um, Are you trying to get comedy following sure, there or no? it's
1: token gingy it is public i don't like when i'm on stage i never like plug myself or even say my name no. but i probably should because that's the name I mean, of the I've game seen, or whatever
0: yeah the the amount of comics i've seen just like especially in edinburgh as mm-hmm. well it's just like you know follow me this and then they'll just go handing out business cards yeah. as well you know it's just like follow this follow this follow this like here's a qr code give me the follow. yeah i
1: just honestly you know? i think there's something really like quote-unquote brand loyal if someone in the audience is like wow she was so fucking good i'm gonna find her and then they go to the effort of finding me without me saying it yeah like organic it's like i mean it's not organic because i'm on stage and so i'm like selling myself in some way or or in edinburgh you do spots so that you can say at the end like i've got this show come see my show um but you don't say that on stage necessarily you just flyer at the door when they leave it's like a little I'm, insider, I'm tip, insider tip. insider tip
0: Flying at the door yeah
1: flyer at the door as they're leaving and don't i because i've seen too many comedians bomb and then at the end they'll go follow me on instagram go to my show it's like uh no now i'm fully gonna avoid doing that and mm-hmm. it like you know it yeah. actually makes your show look bad if you kind of do that and i think a lot of people do know that actually so it's not like i'm kind of talking behind anyone's back but um yeah
0: yeah i i always think or i don't know i'm i'm the worst for it as well as much as i'm like pushing the branding a bag of cats or or you know even the endless stream podcast mm-hmm. it's like this part of me that's like i'm on stage i've got five minutes to do whatever yeah. i don't want to give over the last 20 seconds to going anyway find me on yeah here i'm trying to make a joke
1: work. yeah i mean if they're your people they'll go to the effort of finding you and then once they go to that effort they're never gonna unfollow you <laughs> you know because mm-hmm. they're like this is my person i relate to this i want to see their stuff you know absolutely yeah
0: see like the 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 pure comedy art form and integrity of at token jinji on instagram follow at token on Instagram. oh god oh god <laughs> all that to say follow me <laughs>